0: This show may contain strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit our website at mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of... biphobia. It also contains discussions about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. is still pretty gay and Thursday I have a night class Friday we continue to be gay Saturday is the gayest day Sunday, yeah, it's still gay,
1: but we also record Hello, 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 and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jen. My name is CJ, and we are your
0: co-conspirators in plotting whatever the heck it is cisgender straight people think it is we're doing. Now, what's on the buy schedule for today? We're talking to a game master. Oh. A master of games. His name is Jeff. And then, and then we're going to play our own little game.
2: Yay. Hello, Jeff. Hello! Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited. Thank you for being here. Tell us about you. So, I am a game master. I am a podcaster um, of role-playing games and role-playing game-centric podcasts. I am a game designer. I do a lot of of game stuff, and sometimes not game stuff, but that seems to be where my life is at in the year 2018.
0: (laughs) Uh, for those who may not be in the know listening to our podcast, uh, can you explain what a role-playing game is?
2: Sure, sure, sure. Um, the one that- the- the one role-playing game that- that listeners may most likely be familiar with is a game called Dungeons & Dragons. What's- It is a game <laughs> of- of magic and adventure and mystery and the- maybe satanic worship. We're not sure yet. It really depends on who you ask.
0: They didn't clear that up in the new edition quite yet.
2: They- not yet. It's still, it's still in, it's still in It's kind of they're working it out.
0: Well, that's the but, beautiful um, thing about role playing games. You want to keep it open ended. If you want to worship Satan, then that's kind of where you're going. Look, here's my yeah. thing.
1: Any game can be about Satan if you try hard and believe in yourself. That's and a also very Satan. good point. Monopoly is definitely about Satan. Connect Four, Satan.
2: I mean, I the the games of Uno that I have played, <laughs> I don't know if necessarily it was Satan that that was channeling through me, but there was definitely a malevolent presence <laughs> that came to the surface some force especially because we would we would institute a rule where if you played a, a draw four card the next person could also play a draw four card and it just it just sort of formed into this mutually assured destruction loop oh where yes, you kind boy. Of just ran the numbers until somebody had to draw 84 cards like it wasn't pretty
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah are there no. even 84 cards in uno, uno is uh, i'm not really sure definitely designed in hell And sent up here so that we could, like, preemptively torture each other. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Um, Yeah.
2: But a role-playing game at its core is a bunch of people, uh, two or more people, sitting around a table, telling a story together, occasionally using, you know, some kind of randomizing element like dice or cards or maybe just, like, verbal cues or, you know, and just collaboratively telling a story and creating something together. That is the version of role-playing games that I particularly fell in love with and hold dearly in my heart.
1: Heck yeah.
0: Yeah. Jen and I are also big on collaboration and games. Yeah. <laughs> games in general. I wanted to specify one, but like, I don't know, we just like games. Uh, so games are good. Not games Uno. are excellent. Not Uno, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>
1: apparently this has become an Uno-shaming podcast. Welcome to my anti-Uno agenda.
2: That is, that is accurate, though. To be fair, my agenda is pretty specifically shame uno i'll I'll play it don't get me wrong if you but i want it shame
0: if you play past episodes backward then it'll it's all about how terrible uno is Uh, so deviating from uno um can you tell us about your queer journey
2: yeah i can um i let's see i realized i was queer i came out to myself is how i would describe it when i was in my Early to mid-twenties, probably early-ish, the early, just before 25, probably, I had been with my partner, I think we just moved in together, and I kind of, in hearing her talk about her queer journey, I kind of realized that uh, a lot of the things she was saying were things that I had experienced and compartmentalized, or just had not, like, the wires hadn't fully connected yet, and it was not until hearing hearing those stories that I was like, oh, oh yeah, same. Yeah, hard same. Wait, wait, same. And so I kind of, that was sort of my experience in realizing that I I too was queer. And so a lot of my queer experience has been coming to learn about myself and about my own journey and experience and trying to recontextualize a lot of the things that I have experienced in the past And kind of going, oh, I kind of see why that played out the way that it did. It's because I was doing things in my head that I was not aware of. Everything kind of makes a lot more sense now.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, What sorts of things were you noticing, like more specifically speaking?
2: Like I noticed a lot of uh, interactions with uh, people of the same gender that I was kind of like, oh, that's why I got real flustered. That's Mm. why I kind of like sought out opportunities to hang out with him and like got kind of flustered around him that now makes a lot more sense and also all of the times that I looked at guys and went oh I think he might be real hot (laughs) suddenly like it was like oh yeah I found that guy that yep that that probably checks out to a certain degree
0: it's a lot of, like, the bisexual experience, particularly, like, speaking as a bisexual person, where, like, you're like, oh, but everybody feels that way about people of the same gender, right? Like, we'd all do that, and everybody's like,
2: no. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, I, I, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I think that person is beautiful, but, like, that doesn't mean, uh, and then it's kind of like, oh, no, I, yeah, that <laughs> checks off a lot of, yeah, okay, that, <laughs> that, that all makes sense. do
1: mean. Right. Very relatable. <laughs>
0: So you came out to yourself and presumably your partner?
2: Yes, yes, yes. I kind of, we. I, I, I just kind of like, just let her, told her like, yeah, hey, I think that I'm also queer. And it was like, oh, all right, cool. And so, you know, she's been tremendously helpful in kind of like helping me learn things and kind of learn about my own experience. And it's been a lot of. You know, it's been distinctly challenging because I am in, you know, I am in a long-term monogamous relationship that will theoretically run forever. Mm-hmm. And I I've it it presents a distinct set of like emotional and logistical challenges of like coming to understand myself while not actively pursuing anything yeah has sort of been a lot of my experience to date
0: yeah i've seen that be like a big roadblock with a lot of people in figuring out their identities if they're like in a long-term committed relationship or if they're married it's like what does this matter why does this matter and it's like no that that does matter if it matters to you
2: right exactly and that's been kind of that's been a lot of what has driven it is like you know i'm not going i'm not going to seek out that, to seek out any sort of companionship outside of my marriage. I am very happily monogamous, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it is learning to understand and to love myself in a way that, like, even if I didn't realize I wasn't doing before, I wasn't doing before. And that's a tremendously important thing, right? Is to kind of just know yourself and love yourself and be aware of who you are At your deepest levels. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's always important to work on yourself, even within a marriage. Especially within a marriage. (laughs) Always. Agreed. You gotta say the individual. Uh, So how long have you been identifying as queer?
2: Uh, I guess at this point about maybe six or seven years. All right. I I probably started around 20, I'd probably say between six and eight, under eight years because we've been dating for eight years. Probably like six to seven-ish, somewhere in that area. Neat. Nice. That's a solid chunk of years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Has this interacted in any way with your experience as a uh, GM or a game master?
2: Yes, I realized it. It it along the lines of things that have like contextualized for me. It it sort of understanding the idea of what makes role playing as an activity so special to me. Kind of, it was one of those things because it is a very empowering experience right and it is very intimate and emotional and in a way that understanding that like i was looking for a way to be heard and to like empower myself Mm -hmm. growing up in an environment where queerness was treated to a certain and not even necessarily like within my immediate sphere you know my I, i i i'm lucky enough to have been raised fairly liberally but like within just like a society in which queer voices are not given power to seek out an activity where I specifically am empowered made a lot of sense Mm -hmm. in retrospect like it 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 clicked it was one of the things that clicked
0: yeah for sure like the world of any type of gaming in general uh, I feel draws a lot of people who feel like they don't have a lot of like power or control in their situation and gives them like A safe, good environment in which they can be themselves or test out those things or like feel like they're in a better situation than they're in or one that they can that's within their control.
2: Yeah. And the other half of it is like since coming out and since like being out and queer, I've kind of come to understand the power of role playing games as a sort of safe space for like emotional experimentation and emotional like exploration. Hmm. Like, you know playing out like oh well i like i want to kind of experience this particular story or this particular perspective let me seek out games and experiences that will help me understand that and it's very role playing games in particular are a very empathetic experience mm. because like it is the you're 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 putting something of yourself forward mm-hmm. and multiple people are doing that and you are forming a you are like conscious very consciously even if under the guise of like a fantasy story or something like silly you are putting something forward and finding a middle ground yeah and so like doing that in ways that you know like seeking out perspectives that are not mine and saying like i want to seek out this experience with you and hear what you have to say and hear your perspective, and kind of, you you know, use that to explore my perspective, how I feel about things, how I feel about myself, has been actually really tremendously helpful in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah,
0: I I know for myself, like, uh, because I do a lot of role-playing games, uh, I, mm. I like those a lot because I'm an improviser and a theater artist, so, like, I feel like a lot of theater artists do that if they're in the, into the world of gaming, but, I like, Role-playing games for me occasionally was a place where I could sort of like try to figure out my gender stuff while trying to figure out my gender stuff mm. outside of the game. Like I mm-hmm, played, absolutely. I played several characters who were non-binary before coming to terms with that fact about myself. Eventually, like my first D and D character was a gender,
2: and it's kind of like a safe space to do that, right? Yeah. Because it's like a fantasy thing, and it's it's a place where you can be like. I want to see how this feels if I start describing myself under these terms, if I start, like, you know, playing with that. Like, it gives you a space to be vulnerable because everyone is a little vulnerable. So you can make those moves and say those things and, like, explore those areas in a space that's vulnerable, but supportive I mean at least when when done well that's not to imply that role-playing games is a perfect hobby there's more than enough times when that social contract can be broken yes yeah. and, but
0: <laughs> role-playing games are as good as the people playing them
2: yes exactly <laughs> and, but like when played well with a good group that's like a space where you can explore that in a way that is vulnerable but collectively vulnerable at least that's how I approach it
1: Mm -hmm. I love that I um I have two different uh D&D campaigns that I'm in every week and like I already enjoy it but now I'm gonna be thinking about it this way I'm extra excited now
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I recently saw a a Twitter graphic and I wish that I this is it's one of those things every time I say this so much that like I wish I remembered the person that tweeted it so I could shout them out or I wish I had retweeted it so that I could show it to people Mm -hmm. but Uh, I recently saw a Twitter graphic that laid out, like, a piece of role-playing game theory that, like, blew my mind. And it was, it presented the idea that there's, that, like, if you look at the story told through a role-playing game. Like, if you look at five people playing Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. There's the story that all five people are telling. There's, each person has an individual story that they are telling. Because they are presenting certain aspects of the story. They are narrating things. They are describing things. And then there's this, like, if you really break it down and think about, like, the web of interactions, there's something, like... I want to say the number was 27 different stories being told at any moment between, like the commonality of, like, how I feel and how Player C feels mm-hmm. and how Player C and Player E interact, like, they're forming, like, a narrative shared between the two of them. It was the coolest thing that I, like, and just looking at it and feeling my brain melt was the coolest <laughs> thing I've experienced in a very long time. Yeah.
0: I think that role-playing games are so unique in the ability to, like, outside of the basic standard mechanics of the game, you really have freedom over, like, how you interact with the game and like how your character mm-hmm. w- looks, whereas with like board games or video games and things like that, if there's characters in them, then you're sort of left to whatever the creator yeah. of the game thinks mm-hmm. about gender or gender expression and things
2: like that. Mm-hmm. You it's it's it is you are limited only by what your imagination can construct, which is a remarkably powerful tool. And I think that's you know another thing about role playing games that is special to me is that like I am terrible at video. <laughs> <laughs> like I like I love them. There's so much that I love about them, but I sit down and I hold the controller and I'm like this isn't going to happen at <laughs> any time. But Same. like I can explore those stories and that like that space. I'm not limited because I can come up with like a colorful description or paint a picture like, I can paint a picture with my mind that I can much easier and, like, I can accomplish things and I can, you know, problem solve in a way that has nothing to do with holding a controller that is just... A, I don't understand it. Like, the kids today, let me tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> their switches and there are so many buttons. They're <laughs> fortnights and their, uh Though I, I was actually... Because I was trying to look up, like, specifically... Um, how uh, different creators of role-playing games, like the standard mechanics, have mm. addressed gender. And I noticed that in 5e of Dungeons & Dragons, like the 5th edition, their mm-hmm. description of like how you can format your gender was like, you can also be a woman trapped in a man's body. Or ah. a woman, or like a man that looks like, and acts like a woman. And I'm like, ah. you need to figure out how you're talking about transgender people, Wizards yeah. of the... <laughs>
2: yeah, that was definitely like... You can you, you 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 can see that they were trying An attempt like, was made it just did not it did not hit the mark. I've seen some very good especially within the indie space, like I have seen some very good explorations of gender, both in terms of like within larger games and games that are kind of specifically about like exploring that space. D D their the way that they approached it was you really, you tried your best. Yes, like, <laughs>
1: golly, golly gee. I, I just read something recently, actually, about how um, GMs have to be careful about, like, the world that they accidentally build. And it was specifically an example of, like, this person, if, if if somebody puts, like, a bunch of NPCs that are all just dudes. Mm-hmm. And somebody has an experiment did um, one of the, like, sample campaigns you can buy in a box, and they changed all mm-hmm. of the NPCs yep. to be women, And the players were suspicious. They thought something was going on because there were so
2: many women. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I, I remember seeing that, and it's a really interesting point, especially because there is this, like, kind of documented... This very kind of documented thing that, like, unconsciously pushes people in descriptions towards, like, societal norms. Like, and it's something that, like, I've had to have... Like, somebody presented it to me once upon a time, and... You know, it requires a certain level of conscious, like, okay, am ha, I've written something? Are all of these characters are all of these characters men? Are all of these characters like cis? Are all of these characters het? And it you and it kind of requires a certain degree of like, okay, I'm going to consciously like, you know, go with like what my brain says as its first impulse. the 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 question that I've seen presented towards that that is, I think has I've found really effective is. Is there something about this character that requires that they be a man? No, switch it. <laughs> Just cold switch it. Mm-hmm. Is there something about this character that requires that that like requires them to be het? No, switch it. You if it if it's not very specific circumstances, there's no like there's no reason not to try to craft a more diverse world because we live in a diverse world.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great answer to a question that I see a lot of creators in general ask, particularly creators who fall into like Cis head, white, name it, and they're, they're like, well, am I? Do I create more diverse characters and worlds, and then risk doing it wrong, or do I just not do that? And I think some of the answer does fall into that, like you really have to take a look at the work that you're creating. Mm-hmm. You are responsible for a world. Mm.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if you're leaving things out by accident, it's like, what does that suddenly imply about the world that you have built? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, I was going to use that as a segue to ask about if being, um, identifying as queer has changed your world building at all, but I think you kind of answered it.
2: (laughs) It very much has because I, you know, I, I want to present a world that is like the world that A, I see around me and B, that I want to see. And so it, I very specifically do a lot of world building and a lot of, like, I approach it where I have a a podcast segue, but, like, I'm gonna hold on (laughs) on that for a minute to finish answering the question (laughs) and then segue. Here we go. Um, I want to create a world that is not only like the world that I see, but, like, the world that I want to see. I want to create worlds in which I personally feel comfortable and welcome. Like, that is a thing. And so a lot of times it's just consciously saying, like, you know, this person should be diverse or should be a person of color or should be a woman or should be have a different gender. Like, just because, you know, I under- I know the role they're going to play in the story and there's no reason that can't be played by somebody mm-hmm. different. Like, there's no reason that I, there's no reason that that character should be necessarily a man. So why leave it as yeah. that? Mm. Podcast segue. Uh, one of the shows that I do is called All My Fantasy Children. Every week we take a character, we, we take a prompt from Twitter or Facebook and we roll up a character and we spend the whole time creating a character in a world around them. One of the first things that we started doing was we would roll, was we decided, you know, once we had a character very early on and it's a thing that we've stuck with doing ever since that I think answers this question very well is we came up with a character, we had a character concept like sent to us that didn't imply a direct gender. So we said, okay, what do we want their gender to be? Why don't we just roll on a six-sided dice? You know, one and two will be he, three, four, she, five, six, they. And we started rolling on that, and that became a thing that we do pretty much every episode of, like, if we don't know their gender, there's no reason why we can't just sort of randomly go with one and then just honor that and respect it. It's basically the fictional character telling us, hey, these are my pronouns, and saying, <laughs> okay, alright cool, we're going to go with that.
0: That's awesome. So respect my pronouns are three and six. <laughs>
2: 3 and 6. Perfect. We can roll with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think that's a great system too. And I think like another way that the uh, gaming community can be more inclusive queer folks is letting us into the room in terms of creation and things yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Like these are the sorts of perspectives oh, that we so. bring to the table. If you want to be more inclusive of our communities, have us in the have us in the room.
2: Yes. And and let us let us tell let us tell our stories and let And let us tell our stories and find ways to listen to and to boost stories that are not your own. Like, it is something that everyone, every one of us should be doing is seeking out perspectives that are different from ours and boosting them to the best of our abilities. Because that's how we, that is how we grow and bond and find, and like grow with each other is, you know, I, I grew a lot hearing specific and I this brings it back to you know my journey of coming out was like I grew a lot hearing the stories of a queer woman talk about her experiences put into effect a lot of commonalities that I was seeing to a point where I went oh now I I start to understand myself in a way that I never might never have had I not experienced Mm -hmm. those stories and so yes having us at the table telling having our stories be told letting us tell our own stories and not having other people Tell our stories. Yes, our us. stories. <laughs> yeah, right. Having them like makes you know us what they assume our experiences to be is a direct and powerful way. And then when we tell our stories, boosting those stories as best mm-hmm. we can is how we all grow Indeed.
0: Uh, so Jeff, what is something you'd like to tell cis straight people for the last time? And then you never have to hear it again.
2: So uh, I thought a lot about this and I've, I've landed on something that I've had to explain enough times that I'm annoyed. <laughs> Do it. I am bisexual. I am queer. I am, and I am married. I am monogamous. And I am very tired. <laughs> <laughs> I am busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. I got podcasts. I got Kickstarters to run. (laughs) I am busy. The the fact that I am bisexual in no way indicates that I I am or am not polyamorous. If you are both, that is perfectly acceptable. Like you know, they are not mutually Mm -hmm. exclusive things. But my being bisexual does not indicate that I am polyamorous. I have one partner. We are very happy together. We have a life that we have built together. We have a cat. That is an asshole and sitting next to me.
0: But we you built know? them together.
2: <laughs> right. But, and, and, and we, we are our family. Like, but an, I've had so many conversations where it's, oh, you're bi? So, like, who are your partners? Like, like, how many of them are there? And I'm like, just the one. Just <laughs> is the, the one. one actually...
1: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Oh, geez. Just imagine, like, under that logic being pansexual. Like, I gotta find somebody of every.
2: Every gender. Gotta, Every gender
1: to date. Collect oh them my. like Pokemon. Uh. You,
2: you gotta you're not you know, that's yeah, you gotta you gotta fill that out. You gotta fill out that roster.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> gotta
2: build a team, a balanced team. There's a lot of there's a lot of like metrics that probably go like you gotta like, mm-hmm. you know, make a lot of trades, be there for the draft. It's it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is my thing, is like because I am bisexual does not mean that I am polyamorous. You can be both, but nope. they are not in any way directly intertwined. Okay. <laughs> nope, those are those are different things. <laughs> if I am never asked that again, I would be very happy.
1: Well, if anyone ever asks again, just point a point them towards this episode of our
2: podcast. I will,
1: and they can hear your explanation, and you never Good. have to physically say it again. And our Good. Pokemon references, and our Pokemon so that's like references.
2: a double win. Double win, everybody wins.
1: <laughs> I think it all goes under the grand umbrella of of. Um, Things
2: we like to say on this show mostly tend to lead to, just don't assume things about people. (laughs) Just don't, like, it's so easy not to assume. It's just, you, it's literally doing nothing. It is easier to not do a thing than to do the thing.
0: Yep, Mm. yep, yep, yep. Uh, So, Jeff, what is on your gay agenda?
2: So we actually kind of touched on it earlier, but um, my gay agenda is fundamentally making sure that everyone has a seat at the gaming table. Ideally, it would be everyone deserves a seat at every table. Like, that is that is the ideal, that is the dream. The gaming table is the one table that I have through hundreds of podcast recordings and hours of social networking and hashtag brand management and all of those <laughs> things that we do in 2018 that kind of feel gross, but we do them anyway. I have gained a small speck of control in this one area at this one table I would like to use that aggressively already just viciously abusing that tiny speck of control to make sure that everyone 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 gets a seat at that table and gets to be heard in that context because role-playing games are really really special to me and I want I it breaks my heart the number of times I've heard yeah I tried it it wasn't really for me people were like somebody went out of their way to shut me out of that experience and it breaks my heart and i want to maybe not if not undo that present an alternative where instead of getting shut out you are welcomed in that is my that is my mission that is my gay agenda love
0: it i like that in general and also somebody who's like pretty like i've been only doing game stuff for like the past couple of years and I have not given up yet on it, but I've had a lot of experiences where I should have given up, but I'm stubborn as hell.
2: Same, Har- hard same. <laughs> I've definitely had more than enough experiences where I went home after a game and went, boy, I really just, I willfully subjected myself to that, huh? <laughs> that I have was a, new a idea. Fuck this. I made. <laughs>
1: Oh, I could have done literally anything else tonight.
2: <laughs> I left my house for that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I hope this is more of a pleasant experience because I actually have a game for you right now. Hooray! I love games. <laughs> All
2: right. So please willfully subject yourself
1: to this one. Um, okay. I will. I will. You won't even have to leave your house
2: though. Yeah. This, I'm already, it's already a lot over a lot of games that I've played because I'm in my pajamas <laughs> right now. Excellent. All
1: right, I threw together a little mini uh, role-playing game. It's, Yay! <laughs> it's extremely simple and extremely silly.
2: I'm so excited.
1: For our purposes, I call it LGBT D&D. Good. Uh, Very good. So, you know, some games have GMs and some games have DMs. I am your GDM, your gay dungeon master.
2: Perfect. Love it.
1: Excellent. All right, so uh, I want you to visualize whatever character you want to be, and I'm going to describe your scenarios. There's no dice. You can just tell me what you want to do. In these scenarios, and we're gonna we're gonna improv it up a little. Okay, I'm, are you ready?
2: Yes. Uh, my character is a is a handsome elf with like a real chiseled chin, <laughs> kind of like light bluish skin. Very very dapper, very like put together. Knows how to wear a wizard's robe. Like you look at it and it falls just the right way, and you're like, all right. Just enough of it is left of the imagination. You're like, okay, all right. I see, I see, I see this. I see what you're working on. The whole look, it's working. <laughs>
0: Perpetually, there is a fan blowing on them. Just a
2: little bit, so yeah. the rope
1: waves. Pointed hat.
2: Uh, I'm gonna say no, but probably oh. like a little. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna say a little tiny tiara. One of the like yes. kind of like Wonder Womany band ones.
1: Yes, got love a little it, love gem it, in it. the middle.
2: Very, very stylish.
1: Okay, I can I can picture this person. Okay, are Good. you ready to begin your adventure? I am ready to begin. All right. You wake up in a bleak and cliché dungeon room. Sure. There are two doors before you. One has a skull affixed to it. The other has a rainbow painted across it. Both are unlocked. What do you do?
2: Uh, I am for sure going to my my interest is immediately piqued by the rainbow like the skull is <laughs> that's fine this is a very <laughs> generic dungeon there's probably skulls on about 70 percent of the surfaces but like that's, right. true. that's true you don't see a lot of color in a dungeon environment so i'm definitely going to put my my pointed elvish ear up to that door and just see what's on the other side just see what i hear coming from the other side <laughs> see what you hear yes uh it is
1: silent
2: silent well, there's only one way to fully understand, to fully know what is on that other side. And isn't that what we're all looking for is just to discover what is on the other side? Isn't that what our all of our journeys are? So I'm sure. going to. <laughs> <throw> <laughs> so your character open... is a sage. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, I'm going to. My character's name is uh, Martellus Moonbeam. Martellus, Martellus Moonbeam.
1: Moonbeam. Great, great, great.
2: Martellus. Uh, pronouns he, him uh can uh, and i call he's him marty too. marty is he perfectly fine with that he, you know it's one of those the nickname marty it's one of those things that like he gets a little iffy about only because his parents called him that but he's kind mm-hmm. of learning to appreciate the fact that like that was a, a something that his parents felt strongly enough about to to give him so he's kind of learning to like appreciate it in certain contexts so yes
1: Okay, perfect. We're building a rich tapestry here. <laughs> so I know what, a lot, know a a lot about door. this character.
2: <laughs> uh, Marty is going to kick open that door. Or probably like gracefully slide it open and, and, and slip <laughs> slip inside.
1: All right. Marty slips in through the door. Inside, it's a bare room. Uh, there is one other door. Uh, this one's a plain one. No rainbows painted on it. But inside this plain or otherwise plain room is a, uh, a treasure chest. There is something off about this treasure chest.
2: Hmm. I am going to cast detect magic on the treasure chest and see if (laughs) I sense see if I sense otherworldly magic at play. Heck of magic. Heck of magic. Oh, it senses off. And I, you know, Marty's curiosity is going to get the best of him, and he's definitely going to open that. I'm definitely opening that chest. I got. I got to know what's on what's inside. There is a magic
1: trap. That you have just triggered. Oh, no. There is oh, no. an explosion of glitter, but also flame. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're okay. You're a li- you're a little singed. Marty's eyebrows might not look so nice. That's fine. Uh, I,
2: I I they're painted on. I can fix them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So the, the yeah. So you're all right. You're a little hurt. We're not keeping track of hit points, but you're a little sure. you're a little damaged. Uh, but inside that trapped tr- uh, treasure chest. Is a sword of plus two queerness, blessed by Carly Rae Jepsen. The sword is named Cut to the Feeling.
2: Yep, good. Good, good, good. (laughs) I really, 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 really like this sword.
1: (laughs) You know what? It likes you too. You've attuned to it. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, Do you take the sword? Oh, I 100%
2: take the sword.
1: All right, excellent. It immediately goes, baby! Yeah.
2: Oh, Good. You I assume this sword is, in fact, my favorite color.
1: Whatever your favorite color is, that sword automatically turns to it as soon as good. you pick it up Excellent. and attune to it. All right.
2: We got, we got to move on, or it's going to be Carly Rage references for the next hour. Like, I just <laughs> want you to know that.
1: Good thing you're not a barbarian, or you'd go into a Carly Rage.
2: That's Jackson. fair. That's, All right. God damn it, I'll see myself
1: out. Um.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. You stay. You stay. The world the world needs more of this. <laughs>
1: you like to proceed to the next room?
2: I would love to proceed to the next room. All right, empowered, then... empowered with my sword of queerness, I am chopping through that door and, All right. and presenting myself to the world.
1: You cut the, so- you cut the door into splinters with your new blade, revealing a dark lava-filled room. You were in just like oh. a dungeon, but now it's like inside of a volcano oh, no. realness. There's a lake of lava. You could Try and jump across some of the stones although they look a little far apart. There is also a rickety bridge guarded by a sphinx.
2: Hmm. I'm going to talk to that sphinx. I I sphinx. Yeah, I got I I got to I got to get across this bridge. I don't want to try to I'm not going to go back to the skull room cuz that's behind and we don't go back. We we don't turn back. I got to talk to the sphinx.
1: Alright, Sphinx says, you can cross this bridge, but you have to answer my, um, riddle. I mean, I guess it's a riddle. Whatever. I- accept-
2: I accept, <laughs> no, I accept your challenge, Sphinx. Alright, what do you call two witches who live together? Uh, what do you call two witches that live together? I, I mean, domestically blissful, I would imagine, but I think that there's probably a more- uh, a coven?
1: Well, uh, the answer is
2: broommates, but I like
1: your Brum-mates. answer better.
2: Broommates, dang, that is, nope. that's very good, I accept, yeah. I accept that very good answer.
1: Also would have accepted their names, because this is 2018, and they are happily married, and their names are Sharon and Lydia, and they deserve to be left <laughs> alone.
2: Good, no, they're... yes, agreed.
1: <laughs> Appeased with your answer, the Sphinx hands you Sharon and Lydia's blessing. It is a small glass trinket, and... If you choose to examine it magically, you can tell that it allows you to cast a very gay fireball.
2: Good all right I and I'm very pleased with I'm very pleased with this. but most importantly, I'm happy to have their blessing you know what <laughs> I see I see the work they're putting in and i I see that they're really pulling it off and it means a lot that they they see something in me, you know yeah they, they're really proud of you. It. We're all just trying to get through this together, and I appreciate
1: that. <laughs> the Sphinx steps to the side and lets you cross the rickety bridge.
2: Okay, I will Mart, I will carefully, carefully move my way across as the bridge appears rickety and old and it is over lava and could catch on fire at any moment.
1: It's true, yes. Uh, it does, but only as you pass, it's very dramatic and cinematic and cool. But um, you know what? You don't even look behind. Yeah, no,
2: it's really cool. <laughs> it's so cool. It looks so cool, is the thing.
1: Alright, that bridge leads you to a tunnel, and you go deeper and deeper into the caves, and then suddenly, you encounter a biphobic lich wearing a Make Faerun
2: Great Again hat. Oh, the worst kind of lich.
1: Yes. (laughs) The lich yells, Doesn't being bi make you greedy? And readies an Eldritch Blast,
2: or whatever. Without a a moment's hesitation, I'm going to see the hat and just immediately cast Super Gay Fireball. And I'm gonna oh. quietly whisper as I release it, "Thank you, Lydia and Sharon. Thank you. We're thank you, thank you for this." And then I'm gonna smash it on the ground and cast fireball.
1: The lich is uh, covered in flame, and as he's he's smoking, he fires at you uh, and yells, "But by means two!
2: Nope, I'm I'm rushing him with my with my sword of queerness, and I say, "I will I will leave you in two.
1: Oh. With that, he is cleft in twain. Yeah. <laughs> so you you can walk past the two lich bits that
2: are now on the floor, and behind yes. him is a golden treasure chest. And I stand, I stand over his body and I say, by simply means same and other, there's a world <laughs> of possibility in there. But it doesn't matter to you, because you are dead. <laughs> and kick some dirt on him.
1: He he's shamed in his death. (laughs) Good,
2: (laughs) as he should be.
1: Would you like to open the golden treasure chest?
2: I would love to open the golden treasure chest.
1: Inside, you find a Blu-ray copy of
2: The Birdcage and some Twizzlers. Oh, excellent! Oh man, that's a good. That's wonderful. I'm very pleased with this. That's a that's movie night right there. (laughs) You've survived the dungeon, and much more importantly,
1: you've made Sharon and Lydia proud. Congratulations!
2: You know what? Twizzlers and the Bird Cage aside, that's the real print. That's the real treasure.
0: <laughs> I if if anybody listening to this podcast draws things, I need all of these characters, please, Jesus. I
2: very much do. <laughs> really, I'm gonna say that really the emphasis for me is Sharon and Lydia. I need to know. Yeah, I, I want to know what wanna, they're about. I feel like there's so many questions left unanswered about like their life and like you know, I, they're they're witches, so they may have familiars, which means I have to know about their cats. Like, you know yeah. they got some very cute cats.
1: Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm really glad that Sharon and Lydia are the breakaway stars of this adventure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they, they are.
0: All right. Thank you so much for talking with us and playing with us. Jeff? Oh, of course. This was lovely. Thank you so much. Of course. Do you have anything you want to plug? Like, say, a hundred podcasts?
2: I sure do. Uh, I have three podcasts. Um... One of them only publishes once a year, and is about eggnog, so I'm not going to worry about that one. Oh, right. um, The uh, Party of One is an actual play role-playing game podcast about two-player games. It is a... Let me take that again, because I have an actual pitch that I have to say. (laughs) Party of One is is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with friends for a two-player game. We share some laughs, some tears, and have a really good time. Uh, If you're curious about the world of Dungeons & Dragons with only two people, or you want to explore games outside of Dungeons & Dragons, or you love good and occasionally very gay stories shared between good friends, Party of One might be the podcast for you. You can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. I also host a podcast called All My Fantasy Children. Uh, It is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by you Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take your listener prompts and spin them into a fantasy character populating a shared universe one story at a time. You can find that at allmyfantasychildren.com. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at PartyOfOnePod. That is where you can find all of my other, like, games updates. I have a role-playing game going to Kickstarter in the fall. You'll find more information about that. When it's ready, get off my back. I don't know.
1: <laughs> hey, leave me alone.
2: And yeah, that's pretty much it. And then there's various other things, but all of that can be found on Twitter because I am purebred, 100% Twitter trash. So,
1: <laughs> Well, I'm literally about to follow you and download episodes from both of those podcasts because they sound awesome. Yeah.
2: Good. That makes me very happy.
1: <laughs> Listeners, if you think I'm funny or want to tweet at me and make me write you a little shitty d d adventure. I'm at underscore Glitter Goblin underscore and from there you can find my Instagram full of art sometimes and selfies mostly.
2: Solid. Solid. <laughs> Alright.
1: And
0: as always you can find our podcast on iTunes. If you're on iTunes you can rate, subscribe, comment, share it with all your friends, whatever it is you do on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast, and
1: on Twitter at Gay Agenda cast. Until next time, put this on your gay agenda. Fight the power. Love yourself. Make Sharon and
2: Lydia proud.
1: Make them proud they're too good. Make them so
2: proud. They work so hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda.